You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message and welcome to the tribe. The throne in heaven. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire which are the seven spirits of God and before the throne there was as it were a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. The very words of God. Well, thank you, Claudia, for the reading of God's word. And man, it is so good to be back at church after a much needed break. I'm so glad to be with you, worshiping with you guys today. And would you guys join me in thanking some folks? You know, Pastor Lee and Mark Roy and Jen held it down while I was gone. So would you guys join me in thanking them for holding down the fort and teaching us there? So uh, one of the things that I want to start our time with is a question to you. And the question is, does anybody besides me ever like to feel just a little bit apocalyptic sometimes? I mean, I really love it when it comes to my movies and TV shows. I like those shows about apocalyptic kind of things. And I think that's why even before the pandemic, I was fascinated about the number of TV shows and movies that were about apocalyptic zombies, right? So anybody watch The Walking Dead? Okay, I think there are like three people left still watching the show, you know? And then there was World War Z was, was a thing. And there's, you, could, you could look up and Google search like a million different zombie shows. One of the ones that was kind of funny to me was a movie called Zombievers. And then the tagline is, you're all damned, D-A-M-M-E-D, right? So I thought, who thinks of that? That's what a great idea, a little zombiever. I mean, that's scary, isn't it? So I love that idea. But then uh, another thing you'll notice are these TV shows or movies 
where people disappear. Okay, so has anybody seen Manifest? I think it was one of the on one of the networks. It's on Netflix right now. Manifest. It's like about these people that for a time they disappear, and then there's Avengers uh, Endgame. You see this one, and it's like all these people disappear. What is it about apocalyptic thinking that makes our artists and creators of movies and shows make people disappear? Now. One of the things that I've noticed lately is that people are prepping more, right? I saw this article about how COVID-19 fueled the rise of catastrophe preppers. And basically what the article says is that before the pandemic, 3.7 million Americans self-identified as preppers. And now over 12 million Americans identify as preppers. And so it's like, tripled the number of people that are preparing for a catastrophe. I think all of them live in Texas and went through Snowvid and lost their power and that kind of stuff, right? It's probably not a bad idea to be prepared for some stuff, is it? But you know what we think is that we ought to be like spiritual preppers. We ought to be spiritually prepared for whatever type of apocalypse comes. And that's why during this study through the book of Revelation, we've said we want to live with the end in mind. And so if live with the end in mind is the overarching big idea of the series, the big idea I want to submit to you today is simply this. Listen here, be of good cheer. The trumpet call is almost here. And so I'm going to need your help with this little big idea. So we're going to say it. We're going to divide the room up in three sections. And those of you that are in this section of the room, even up into the balcony there, when I point to you, you're going to say, listen here. All right, ready? Some of you are already used to it. You got teenagers that listen here. Okay, so then those of you that are in the middle section, the middle and over here, maybe the first row or two on this seating section, when I point to you, you're going to say, be of good cheer. You kind of have to smile even at whether you're wearing a mask or not. Make your smile shine through your mask and say, be of good cheer, right? Then those of you that are on this side up against the wall, you're going to say, the trumpet call is almost here. If you want to do the hand motion, whatever you want to do, just have fun with it, okay? But remember, just because I've been away for a few weeks, don't get rebellious on me, okay? You got you to do this when I point to you. Ready? Here we go. Listen here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, let's start over. Listen here. Okay, look, I know I've been gone, but you got to play with me on this. All right, here we go. Ready? Listen here. Be of good cheer. The trumpet call is almost here. I even saw hand motions over here, so I'm so excited. I'm so happy to be back at church. Okay, so that's what we can do. We can be of good cheer. Now, as John was given this revelation that he wrote down, he was told to divide it up in three sections in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Anytime you hear people teach on Revelation, you, they always talk about this one verse because there's a lot of conversation about the breaking down of the book. And basically, there are these three sections. Section one is what you have seen. That's the past. That's Revelation chapter one. Section two is what is now. That's the present. It was the present for John's readers. It's our present. And we find that in Revelation chapters two and three. Then the third section is what will take place. And that, I believe, is stuff that's happening in the future, by and large. And that's Revelation chapter four 
through chapter 22. Now, I do believe there are are things that apply to the present within that section of scripture, but a majority of it is the future. And the reason that I brought that up today is because today we're making a turn, we're making a transition in our study of the book of Revelation. We're making a transition to future ramifications in chapter four. A lot of Bible teachers and scholars believe that Revelation 4 is the first time we get a glimpse of or a hint at something called the rapture. If you're new to church, the rapture is just a Latin word, and it means to snatch or pluck out or be taken away. It's like people disappear. See? See? So, I believe in something called a pre-tribulation rapture. At this time... This is the view that I resonate with the most. It's called pre-tribulation rapture. I'll show it to you on a chart. You see the cross of Christ in history where Jesus died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. And then after that, he instituted something called the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. That's what we are. We're, we're, We're the church. And during the church age or what we're calling the space of grace where we have the opportunity to receive the grace of God, at some point in the future, or perhaps during church today, I don't know when, is going to be something called the rapture, where Christian people disappear, and then after the rapture will be seven years of tribulation. And man, it's going to be a pain, I assure you of that. Um, If you think that 2020 and 2021 are bad, it is like a party compared to what's going to happen in the tribulation that we're going to see over the next many weeks. But after the tribulation... Jesus comes back again at the Battle of Armageddon. He opens up a can on all of his enemies and he institutes a thousand-year reign on the earth called the millennium. Now, I want you to understand that there are some believers that would say, hey, the rapture doesn't happen before the seven years. It happens in the middle of the seven years of tribulation. That view is called mid-tribulation rapture for obvious reasons. And then Some people believe that the rapture will happen at the end of the seven years of tribulation, which would be what's called a post-tribulation rapture. Now, I want to show you today one of the reasons why I believe it's a pre-tribulation rapture. Because when you read the New Testament of the Bible, what you'll read there is Jesus coming onto the scene. He creates the church He starts the church. He says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then you see in Acts, all these churches are forming. They have to figure out how they're going to operate. Then you see these epistles that Paul and others wrote to the different churches. So you see the church, the church, the church. Then you get to Revelation. And just when you've had enough church, you get into Revelation chapters two and three, and it's all these letters to another church, Pergamum and Philadelphia and Thyatira, Laodicea, the other ones. We just got done studying all these churches. So the Bible that in the New Testament is like to a church, letter to a church, problems for a church, 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 church. And then you get to Revelation chapter four through 22, and the church is conspicuously missing. You do not see reference to one church in those chapters. The church and I'll add, as we know it, is not here. In fact, when you start studying and reading through Revelation 4 through 22, you don't see a ton of grace. 
You know, in the New Testament, we're in the space of grace right now, and we see all this stuff about God's love, God's grace. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's like a gift from God. We see our identity in Christ. And you get to Revelation chapter 4 through 22, and you feel like you're back in the Old Testament sometimes, see? The age of grace, the space of grace, is over at that time. Actually, it's not over. There are some glimpses of grace that we'll see as we study through. And I believe that Christ's followers are gonna be raptured out. Now, I'm fully aware that there are probably people in this room and other very thoughtful Bible scholars who disagree with me about my view of the rapture. Others would disagree with me about my view of the entirety of Revelation. That's why in the introductory teaching that we'll link to online, I talk about post-millennialism and all millennialism. You can go back and watch those. My heart and my point today is not to win a theological argument about the rapture of the end times. My point is that we're prepared for it. However it plays out, if I'm wrong, which, you know, happens maybe a half a percent of the time, if I'm right, then, then hey, one of the other views is right. That's, I don't care. I just want, I love you. I want you to be prepared. All of the views of Revelation include some version of a rapture where God comes back and brings, rescues his kids is what happens. So I want you to be prepared and I want you to be able to say with passion and conviction, I thought you loved me. Okay, here we go. Listen here. Be of good cheer. The trumpet call. It's almost here. It's almost here. See? So you're saying, well, where's this trumpet thing in the Bible? Let's take a look. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. We just heard it read. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I'd heard before spoke to me like a, what? Trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I'll show you what must happen after this. So he's like saying to John, I'm going to show you what happens after the space of grace. I'm going to show you, John, what happens after the church age. What's coming next? A couple of phrases I want you to pay attention to. Like a trumpet blast, that's one of them. And then the other one was, come up here. The thought of the trumpet and coming up here are associated with the rapture as we look throughout the Bible. Now, I'm gonna have time to cover two passages about the Bible, about the rapture today. Look, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, where Paul says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. He says, we will not all die. He says, but we will be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last, what, trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised, come up here, they'll be raised to live forever, and we who are living will be transformed. So Paul says here, not everyone's going to die. You know, I used to think everybody has to die and pay taxes, right? But Paul says, no, not everyone is going to die. Now, let me take you to the classic text that everybody uses when they teach on the rapture. This is really where the concept comes from, and it's First Thessalonians chapter four, verse sixteen. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the what? Trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise or will come up here from their graves. Then. 
together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds, be raptured out, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. And then the last sentence, he says, hey, hey so encourage each other with these things. He says, you can be of good cheer and encourage each other. No matter how bad it gets, we're going to reverse bungee out of here, right? I mean, we're going to keep serving and working towards the things of God, but he's going to rescue us. You can be encouraged by this teaching. And that's why you can say, listen here. You didn't say it. I said it. Let's try it again. Listen here. Be of good cheer. The trumpet call is almost here. It's almost here. So some of you are kind of new to church, and I can only imagine what you're thinking about all this, you know? You're like, are you saying that there's going to be like the supernatural thing happen where all these people like are sucked out of here, raptured out? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I got to be real straightforward with you about that, you know? And those of us that are Christ followers, the reason we are is because we believe something supernatural happened, the resurrection of Jesus And we don't believe that just because our moms and dads told us to. We believe it because we look back in history and we see like even Jesus' brother James believed that he was the Messiah after he saw his brother risen again from the dead, resurrected. And then the apostles were willing to give their own lives for Jesus after they saw him resurrected from the dead. And the Christian movement blew up in the Middle East. It's not a Western religion. It's an Eastern religion. And they, it started and moved because Jesus rose again from the dead. See, even non-Christian historians like Tacitus and Josephus write about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if you've never considered it, it's something to put on the front burner of your priority list. And I want to tell you why. Because... It's going to happen, this trumpet thing, this rapture thing, is going to be the blink. It's going to happen in the blink of an eye, the Bible says. What's the blink of an eye? It's an instant, right? Something can happen in an instant. Some of you have gone through things in an instant that shape the entirety of the rest of your life. I remember many years ago, I had a blink of an eye experience that changed me for the rest of my life. I was in college. My wife blinked her eyes. I fell in love, and it was over, right? In fact, two days ago, Jeannie and I celebrated our 33rd wedding anniversary. Right on? Yeah. So uh, we got married when I was four. She was a little bit older, but I, I was four at the time. And I know some of you who are single, you know, you're, you're thinking about the blink of an eye. And I just want to tell you, someday you'll see someone and they'll blink their eyes and it'll be changed for you, you know? Some of you are saying, honey, blink those eyes. I'm ready to get married. So, so we'll keep praying for you on that. But you know, another thing that Jesus says is that he's gonna come and that trumpet's gonna blow. It's gonna happen like a thief in the night is the imagery from the Bible. Anybody seen those ring cameras? You know, the ring cameras on a doorbell or whatever? We get ring cameras because we're tired of those people stealing our Amazon packages, you know, Right? But Jesus is like, hey, it's going to happen so fast. I'm going to become like a thief and you won't even be able to catch it on your ring camera. See? <laughs> he says stuff like, you know, there are going to be two people sleeping at night and one will be taken and one will be left. Two people will be working in the field, Jesus says in Matthew 24. One will be taken and one will be left. See? So it'll happen just like that. It'll surprise people. You know, 
one of the reasons that we want to uh, appreciate where we're at right now, this space of grace, is because unless the rapture happens during this church service, we still have time to make adjustments and to prepare, don't we? And, you know, one of the reasons we want to prepare is not just for the rapture, but it's also because of the throne. I want to talk about the throne that John saw for just a minute. And John wasn't the first one to see it. If you go back and study the Old Testament book of Daniel, he writes a lot about the throne as well and some, some similarities there. But what did John see and what will we see someday at that throne? Three things. Beauty and color beyond our wildest imagination. Okay, researchers tell us that there are some people called tetrachromats, and tetrachromats are people that have an extra cone, and they can see colors that most of us cannot see. But what I want you to understand is that John is doing the best he can to describe colors that he's never seen before, see? And even the tetrachromats, when they get there to see the throne, they're going to see colors that they can't even imagine. And John is trying to describe it when he says there'll be gemstones like jasper, carnelian, and emerald circling the throne like a rainbow. And the rainbow in scripture describes how God always, every single time, keeps his promises. It also is an indicator of his eternality. It's kind of mind-blowing to think about a being who has always been in all of eternity past. When did he begin? He didn't. He's always been. He's now, and he will always be. He is eternal, see? But look at the next thing. You'll see the sea of glass sparkling like crystal. Have you ever seen beautiful Caribbean water in your travels or been somewhere where the water was crystal clear? And that represents God's purity and holiness, and it represents the healing power, the healing waters of the Holy Spirit. Now, the second thing we'll see at the throne are the four living beings, and I believe they represent something. One has the face of a lion, and that represents Jesus' character as the supreme strength and kingship. The second has the face of a man, and that uh, represents how Jesus is like the highest intelligence of the earthly creatures. And then the ox represents a willingness to serve and humility, and Jesus is certainly that. And then the last one is an eagle soaring above others, and that represents Jesus' mystery and his divinity. And so these four mysterious angelic beings, they're constantly saying something that we sing about, you know? It's like they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was. Remember, he's eternal. He is and who is still to come. But look at the third thing that John saw at the throne and that we'll see someday in person, the 24 elders. Now, I believe they're symbolic of the 12 apostles, so 12 plus the 12 tribes of Israel, you add those two together, those two 12s make 24. And I think it symbolizes the believers from the Old Testament and the believers of the New Testament and in the church age to represent the people of God throughout history. And these 24 elders are wearing white, really clean white robes. If robes don't connect with you, just think, really clean white sneakers or whatever, but whatever it is, it represents the righteousness of Jesus that they're wearing. It represents the saints of all time, the believers who are covered, who have 
put on the righteousness of Jesus so when God sees us, he doesn't see our sins and mistakes, but he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And all these 24 elders have these crowns, right? And they're laying them down before Jesus. And the crowns represent their rewards that they received in heaven for obedience. And they're saying, hey, I've got this crown. And even though it would be worth more than any or all of the treasures on the earth, I lay it down before him because he, Jesus, is more valuable than any of the treasures from this earth. This is what we see at the throne, the 24 elders representing the people of God. Now, do you know a story repeater? Anybody have a relative that always, like your dad or your grandpa, he tells the same stories and he said the same thing last Christmas, right? You know, he tells you the same stories. Well, I know about story repeaters because I'm a story repeater, okay? And some of you come to church, you're like, Pastor Doug, I've heard you tell that story. You know, I'm telling a sermon, you know, I tell a story and you're like, I heard that story before, Pastor Doug. Well, you know why I repeat those stories and why your relatives repeat those stories? is because we repeat stuff that makes an impact on our lives. And these guys are so impacted by the presence of God at his throne. They're saying, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And they exist because you created what you pleased. And they just can't get enough of speaking this. They repeat it over and over again because of the impact of being in front of the throne. Now, here's what I want you to understand about the throne. Right now, it's happening. There is a worship service going on in heaven at the throne as we're sitting here at church right now. And you and I, even though we're not there and we're not seeing it full on, when we worship, we can break through to glimpses of the throne with our spirits, you see? And I know some of you are shaking your head because you're like, I know. Because some of you have had experiences in worship and you don't even know how to put words to it. You feel in some way like you've broken through to another realm sometimes when you're singing. You feel that and you get to this place where you're like, I don't really care what anybody else around me thinks because there is someone on a throne right now and I've broken through into his presence and you don't even know how to describe it. You know, and what you know is that People on earth think of the heavenly realm, that other realm where the throne is. They think of it like in popular literature and cartoons, you know, like the Simpsons. They think there's like clouds and, you know, Protestant and Catholic heaven, or they think it's like the far side where the guy wished he brought a magazine because he's bored, sitting on a cloud, you know, with harps and stuff around. But when you break through in worship, you realize it has nothing to do with clouds and harps. It is about someone that captures your attention. You know, recently our students had a breakthrough in worship. And I want to tell you, this is one of the reasons why I know there's a God. Because what would make a group of teenagers put down their cell phones and focus on some, they're having an encounter. They've broken through and had an encounter of the throne. See? The throne, when you break through in worship, it makes you want to laugh and cry all at the same time. Sometimes, you know, it has this huge effect on you. It can unravel you and heal you at the same time, man. It can scare you and comfort you all at the same time. And it makes you want to say, look, I just want to keep experiencing. It's addicting. I want to keep experiencing the throne so that the transition from here to there is not so different, you know? 
and the transition. I can't wait to make it. And we'll all get to a point near the end of our lives as we continue to connect with Jesus more and more and more and more that this won't be enough for us. And we'll say, look, listen here. Be of good cheer. The trumpet call, it's almost here. Hang on. It's almost here, see? Now, believers, I want to talk to you for just a minute, just straight to you. I want to ask you, what are you going to be doing when the rapture happens? Now, at this point, I think we all know we want to be prepared. You know, we don't want to be doing a lot of stuff, you know, when the rapture happens. And I could go down a long list of stuff that I know you don't want to be doing when the rapture happens, you know. But I don't want to bring guilt and shame on you today because we're in the space of grace right now. And the good news is we have time to prepare, right? We have time to let go of some of those things that keep us from breaking through into the throne right now in our worship and we can adapt and adjust. And I know many of you are saying, hey, look, I'm gonna live prepared and I wanna live sexually pure. I wanna be a person who's helping people who feel far from God know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose and make a difference in the world. I wanna be a person that's a part of a tribe, a small group, and I wanna be there encouraging other people, praying for people, interceding for people. I wanna be sharing Christ with my unchurched friends. Hey, I wanna be serving the poor. I wanna be doing karaoke Friday night with street people in San Antonio and resourcing them. I wanna resource some educators of every sort, whether they're homeschool, public school, or private school. I wanna help these educators to do this. I want to be worshiping to the point that the transition just makes sense because I've already broken through into the throne room of God in my worship. I'm connected with him. But spiritual investigators, I want to speak directly to you for a minute. Because your friend who invited you to watch the stream online or come into the cameo, their heart was they don't want you to miss out on it. And they want you to be prepared. And we at the church, we love you and we want you to be prepared. We don't want you to miss out on what God has for your life. And I was really inspired by a guy named Francis Collins. Dr. Francis Collins, he mapped the human genome. He basically mapped human DNA. And he wrote about it in a book called The Language of God. I had the privilege of uh, hearing Dr. Collins speak in Chicago. He's a Christ follower. And he explained this, uh, you know, how he'd come to faith in Christ at this conference I was at some years ago in Chicago. When he walked into the room, he was clearly the smartest guy in the room. In fact, I think he's probably the smartest guy in most rooms he walks into. He's literally Anthony Fauci's boss. He's his boss at the National Institute of Health. And so this brilliant doctor and scientist explains why he considered Christian faith when he had grown up as an atheist. Well, what happened was he was caring for a woman And she was going through suffering because of her physical ailment. And she had so much joy. She had such good cheer as she was going through suffering, more so than any of his other patients. And he wondered why. And she explained to him the reason she had joy in the midst of suffering was because of her faith in Jesus Christ. And then she turned it around on him and asked him a question. She said, doctor, what do you believe? And he kind of cocked his head. And he realized in in the midst of that question, He's like, I'm a scientist 
And yet I've never really looked at the evidence of this. I say I don't believe, but I've never really looked into it. So Francis Collins went home, he dusted off his Bible and he read books like C.S. Lewis's, you know, Mere Christianity. And he thought through some of the evidence of faith in Jesus and the resurrection of Christ. And he came to a place where something happened in his heart. He chose to believe that Jesus died on the cross for his sin and he invited Christ into his life. And so today, I wanna ask you the same question that a woman asked Dr. Francis Collins. What do you believe? And you know, this isn't one of those churches where we're gonna like pressure you, where you feel like you're you know, on a car lot and they're saying, what do I have to do to put you in this eternal car you know, today? I'm not doing that. You, you think through it and you, you think about it and read and do your own research and come to church services. But you know, what I've seen happen over and over and over again is that God is so loving, he's always adopting new kids. And he's been working on some of you. And you, I wanna say feel something, but it's more than just a feeling. It's a sense that some of you have. And I've watched people, the way I describe it is they're like, their heart is like a tennis shoe in the dryer. It's just thumping and something's going on and you don't know what it is. Well, I wanna tell you what it is. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And it feels a whole lot like love, doesn't it? And what he's doing, he's drawing you to himself. And he's way different than what some of you thought he was. Some of you thought he was waiting to hammer you for the stuff you've done wrong. That's not what he's doing. He's drawing you as a child to adopt a daughter, a son. And you know, why not just receive him right now if you'd like to? No pressure. But some of you are ready right now. And so how about we just bow our heads and pray and these are like mega special holy moments for someone right now on this stream or in this room. You just say to him in your own heart, in your own words, you don't have to say it out loud, just say to God, look, I know, good Father, that I have sinned. But right now, the best I can comprehend it, I am choosing in this moment to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to take the penalty for my sins and he rose again from the dead to give me new life. Thank you, God, for your grace right now. You just extended it to people. You've been doing it all day. As we continue in prayer, those of us that are believers we're thinking, you know, about the ways we're not prepared and the ways that we don't want to be caught when you come or when you rapture us out. And we just say to you right now, hey, Holy Spirit, I'm so open to whatever kind of habits I've got right now. I just want to leave those things behind because I want more and more of you. I want to be prepared. And more than just that, I want to have these glimpses of the throne to experience the greatest eternal treasure, which is you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing among us all day long. And we pray it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Amen.
Thank you, Nick, man. We've been having a good time all day long hearing Nick blow the horn, man. It's such good times. And as we wrap up today, just a couple of things I want to remind you about. One is that Community Weeks this week, you know, and we know that we're going to have karaoke in the, for the community, especially for our street friends here in the Cameo this Friday night. So come on for that if you'd like to. And also, we're going to help take up an offering for some educators, you know, next Sunday. I'll be back and we'll be teaching from the Bible on being salty, you know, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And so we hope that that'll be helpful for you this coming Sunday. And I wanted to introduce you to a term that I saw this last week. I was hearing this guy and he was talking about E-R-O-I. Those of you in business know about uh, ROI, right? ROI is what? Return on investment, right? And he was talking about E or eternal reward on investment, see? And he was talking about how he had to really think through the things that he was putting his money into and whether or not they would last longer than this life, if they would last into eternity. And there are two things that last forever, God's word and people, That's why God loves people so much. People are the true treasures of this world. And that's why I'm so thankful for those of you that are regulars here, that invest here in people through bringing your first fruit, your first priority, tithe here to the local storehouse, the church where we regularly share the gospel. People regularly are coming to faith in Jesus and being baptized. If you're a guest with us or new, we don't, we're not putting the pressure on you for sure. But those of us that are regulars, we get cheerful and joyfulness out of giving here and tithing here. And since we don't pass buckets or plates, here's how to pull it off. You can mail it in to the P.O. Box number that you see on the screen there. You can also text to tithe by texting the number and following the instructions there. Or you can donate in person at the giving stations that are located near the exits of the theater. Or you can go online to citytribe.church slash tithe. And there you'll see all these instructions. Or you can donate online at our website, the URL it just gave you. So before you guys worship through your generosity, let's stand up together and let's say the benediction together. And I'm going to need to get your help on the benediction. You know what to do, right? Ready? Here we go. Listen here. Be of good cheer. The trumpet call is almost here. So dear brothers and sisters, walk from here with so much cheer because you're prepared for when that trumpet calls you up out of here. And so go from here during the church age, the space of grace, and take his amazing grace to those who desperately need it. You guys have an amazing week, and I'll see you next Sunday. Bye now. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.